Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. So glad to be here with you today in another uh, episode, hopefully where we can help you and uh, point the way towards some very sneaky or intelligent pickups or moves to be made. Uh, give you some other information uh, to consider for guys who you may want to play instead of leaving on your bench, etc. In other words, do whatever we can to help you win. Uh, it's been another interesting week, another you know week full of surprising results. I could not believe that the Colts under Jeff Saturday won uh, against the Raiders. I can't believe how bad the Raiders are. There's several teams like that where it's like, how can you be this terrible? I mean, even think about the Los Angeles Rams coming off a Super Bowl win, how horrendous they look on offense. I mean, just absolutely terrible. And like, you're just thinking, how did this team win? And you have teams like the New York Giants, as my good friend would say, the New York football Giants, G-Men. You know, these guys, two and seven or whatever last year, now seven and two, they were just a terrible offense. Now you get Dayball in there. You know, hey, coaches do make a difference, but that kind of a turnaround seems like so impossible. Uh, the NFL is full of surprises. If we don't know that yet, then we uh, haven't been paying attention at all. I mean, these you heard these stories about the best bettors in Las Vegas who will bet, you know, you know, hundreds of times on various things. And if they if they get a 52 percent win rate, that they're geniuses. I mean, that's how hard it is to beat the house uh, and to, to, you know, bet correctly on so many of these games, even if you're just betting the money line, just who is going to win. So, so difficult. The NFL is, uh, I would say, the hardest sport to predict of all the sports. Uh, they have done so many intentional things to make these games close, to make these teams, um, you know, similar skill levels. <clears throat> the parity is at an all-time high. So we have to we have to be willing, you know, to stay open to things changing quickly, to teams winning when we thought they were going to lose. It was interesting last night. The Sunday night game, I was shocked to see like all 10 of the, the uh, you know, analysts pick the 49ers over the Chargers. I was just like, what are we doing here? I mean, this game could go either way. You play it 10 times, it's going to be like six to four. Uh, there should be some people picking the Chargers. And yeah, of course, the 49ers won. But uh, wow, that that's the kind of thing like you just because a team looked good last week or a player looked good last week, do not assume that is going to happen again. I mean, I've been playing fantasy football. For around 20 years, been watching the NFL all my life. I've won a lot of money, over 100,000, playing fantasy. Uh, you know, taking my family on a lot of free vacations with that money. I feel like I'm pretty good at this. And uh, in any given year, of all the leagues I play in, 40, 50 leagues, I, I can expect to make the playoffs in half of those leagues. I mean, that's ridiculous. If I'm good at this, I should be making 100% of the playoffs, right? Well, that's just not how it works. You draft a team you hit two of your best players with injuries and that team's in the garbage many times uh you, i have one league where i have the third highest points in the league and i was one and eight coming into this week because i've had the way highest points against you know like 200 points more than anybody else you guys have all experienced that if you played fantasy for a while you just can't predict who is going to win on a week-to-week -week basis in the nfl nor can you in fantasy so what do we do with that we stay humble if we're winning we know that that can turn at any point. And if we're losing, we keep grinding. And that's what this podcast is all about. You can be down. You can feel like you're down and out. 
but you can keep grinding, pick up some players, make some moves, and your your fortunes turn around quickly. You can turn into uh, one of the contenders and a playoff team. And like I keep saying, you make the playoffs, anything can happen. So keep grinding. Uh, before we jump into these uh, th- this data, this is my last plea for support. I'm not going to do it in the future weeks. Uh, because, hey, we're in week 10. If you haven't found a way to support this podcast yet, and with this one more plea, you're probably not going to do it. Uh, but I just want to say one more time, I, I give a ton of time to this podcast. Uh, it is 100% for free. I do not do ads, so it's nice and easy and streamlined for you to listen quickly and pick up the right players and you know hopefully win, hopefully make money uh, at these leagues. So if you have any, um, if this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider um supporting uh, me in this in this venture uh, you can do I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out another way you can venmo me if that's easier if you don't want to do it through anchor uh, you can venmo my venmo is at Kevin Scott b dash five five so Kevin Scott b 55 Kevin Scott b dash five five if you want to send uh, any a few bucks that way a uh, thousand bucks that way what do you want to do <laughs> any any amount of support is very appreciated. And um, however much you think I've helped you, you can also do it through anchor.fm slash grinding the data. I appreciate your consideration. I really do. Let's dive in. I'm going to focus on a few players at each position to consider adding. Uh, depending on your league size, these guys might might be available or might have been dropped. And then I'll provide a few usage notes uh, as well and players that you know aren't going to be available, but things you should know. Let's start with running backs. Man, Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I I know Elijah Mitchell is available in some leagues because I dropped him in a couple places. And it just shows you how little we sometimes know about what coaches are going to do. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey on the team and looking good, I I had no concept that we would be Shanahan yet again. Uh, after they traded away stuff to get McCaffrey, then all of a sudden Mitchell's active and he gives him more carries in his first game back. I mean, what on earth? It's Shanahan, so I should have known. But it was still shocking. Mitchell only played 35% of snaps. McCaffrey was at 65, but Mitchell got 18 carries to McCaffrey's 14. They both ended up with 20 opportunities exactly. So it looks like he envisions a committee. Hey, hey, another running back committee. That's fun. You know, Mitchell was actually more effective on the ground, too. He had 18 for 89, which was much better per per carry uh, than, than McCaffrey. So... I do anticipate this as a committee going forward. If Mitchell was dropped, he's on your wire, I recommend picking him up. There will be weeks when it's like way more McCaffrey, but I think Mitchell's going to have a role. Isaiah Pacheco, he was probably also dropped in many leagues after he's been very meh most of the season. Uh, So he's on some wires. If he is, I would pick him up. I'd make him a priority add. He played on 56% of snaps, uh, way ahead in the, the running back group, got 16 carries. Like, the most the Chiefs have committed to the run all season, and they did that because they realized they need to get the run going as we get into the cold months. Uh, McKinnon was down at 38% and was really the pass down back, uh, the two-minute offense guy. Like They really like him in the passing downs because he's good in protection, very good receiver, uh, and very good in space. Uh, CEH played on four snaps. Now, I don't think CEH is dead dead. I don't think he's going to play on four or four snaps or less the rest of the way or anything. But um, he is. it looks like he is being phased down to the third option. I think Pacheco is their main guy for now between the tackles. Kind of the role that I thought they were going to give Ronald Jones coming into the season, like the, the bruiser, 
the grinded out kind of back not working on passing downs. That's what Pacheco's doing. You know, and it makes sense. If he's better than Jones, then give him the work. Um, and McKinnon looks like he's got the role that they envisioned for CEH coming in, which is the pass down, you know, back, the, the receiving specialist. McKinnon's just been better, quite frankly. So I would add Pacheco, and, and likewise, I'd add McKinnon. If McKinnon is on your wire still, and I mentioned him last week, but if he's still on your wire, go ahead and add him. Like I said, the Chiefs love him. He got six of eight passes for 56 yards on Sunday, so a great value um, in PPR leagues. And if they continue to phase out CEH, both of these guys are going to have some very nice upside down the stretch. Uh, Jack, Justin Jackson, another guy I mentioned last week on the Lions, for the second straight week here, uh, he was relevant. He remained involved against the Bears, played on 27% of snaps, and was really in a, in a fairly even three-way timeshare with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Obviously, that's bad for all of them, but you should know Jackson because if they decide to you know, shut down Swift, uh, knowing that they're not making the playoffs, and Swift, if he just can't get healthy or he's just ineffective, there's a chance they do that. That would leave Jackson and Williams with a, with a two-way timeshare, making him quite valuable. He went four for 14 on the ground, caught two or three targets for 14 yards, so he didn't do much. But again, this this is a team that has shown it will give lots of works to, work to the backs, and they can be effective. Uh, so, you know, he could, he could have some decent value for the stretch run. As we get in further and further into the season, there are fewer and fewer potential impact guys to pick up, as you've probably noticed. When we started, you know, there were probably 15 guys at each position that I could mention. Now there's two, three, four, five. And I, there's actually a lot of receivers this week that, that you know, I, I'm mentioning, which is sort of unusual when we get this late in the season. But we do have some injuries popping up, et cetera. There just aren't that many backs, though, and there haven't been that many backs all season. It's hard to find backs. So if you are really desperate at back, <clears throat> I would consider picking up Jackson, one of the Chiefs, you know, anybody who was dropped, consider picking up, picking them up if they're getting work. So let's see, look at some running back notes here. Just want to mention the Falcons running back snaps. We had Al Geyer, 48%, Patterson, 38% of snaps, Huntley, 14%. With touches, Algar got eight, Patterson got six, Huntley got five. This was a game when they could not run the ball effectively, so they kind of abandoned it. But you can see the split there. It's still troubling. We still have all three players involved. I would just completely fade all of them if I can. Now, if I have Cordero Patterson on a team and I, I just need him, I have nothing else at back, then throw him out there. He's still going to get some touches. But just be aware, there's these games where he's going to get five touches and get you two points, and that's just, it, it is what it is. There'll be some games even when he gets a lot of snaps and, and 15 touches and doesn't do much because this team is just not very good. Um, then again, he can put you, he can put up 20 any given week as well. I get that, <clears throat> but it's just a, a situation that's unfortunate because, I mean, in essence, it seems like Arthur Smith is trying to kill fantasy football. That's what it seems like. I mean, he, he does it with Pitts. He won't give him the work. He does it with uh, Drake. He won't give him the work. He kind of splits it. There were two other receivers, I think, that scored touchdowns this week. Or, you know, yeah, Hodge was one of them. You have Zacchaeus out there. It's just so many players and no commitment to your best players. So Falcons are a team to avoid in general. Kenneth Walker, boy, played on 87% of snaps, was the only running back to get a touch. How quickly this situation turned. I mean, the guy even got eight targets and caught six for 55 yards. This was a guy that can't catch passes. <laughs> he can't. He's a liability in the passing game, according to the, the draft pundits. I mean, he is one of the top options in the league every week 
with this usage and the talent he showed. I mean, this guy, um, he, he's incredible. So no matter what, you play him every week. Uh, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. The, the trade window, this guy is way past. But if you have somebody who's thinking it's going to fade or something or they still believe in, you know, uh, Penny or whatever. Yeah, you can get him, get him, but I doubt you can. Uh, Rashad White, his window is, if not all the way closed, it's closing very quickly. He played on 64% of snaps, Fournette on 29%. So he definitely was a lead guy. Now, Fournette did get banged up, but I think White, you know, I think he got the start, and I think he was going to at least have a 50 50 split this game, even without the injury, probably uh, be the clear lead. Uh, it certainly looks like this is being handed over to him. Uh, if you have him on your roster, you know, I, I have him on one a pretty good roster. I haven't played him all season because I have guys in front of him. It's hard to play him in front of established starters, uh, but keep a close eye on If he's going to continue playing on 60% plus, he probably needs to find a way into your lineup. Uh, Detroit running back snaps. Um, you have Williams. I kind of mentioned this with the Jackson piece, but uh, Williams played 40%. Swift played 31%. And Jackson was 27. The touches were Williams 16, Swift 7, Jackson 6. Like I said earlier, I think Swift, uh, he's in danger of being shut down. So um, just keep a really close eye on this. If you have Swift, I, I mean, I, I have him in a few leagues and I have been playing him because he's playing. But boy, 31% of snaps is not good. Like bad, bad. So if I can bench him, I probably will until we see that improve. Uh, for the Bears, another situation to avoid if you possibly can. Montgomery played on 66% of snaps, Herbert on 38, but they both had 10 touches. And the bottom line is Fields is making all the big plays in this offense, which is great if you have Fields and if you're a Bears fan, things are looking good. Uh, the future is bright, but for these two players right now, it is looking ugly. Uh, you can still play them both. They're still getting touches, and they could score, making them kind of kind of bailing them out for any given week. But it is not; these are not players you want to be counting on right now. Uh, Jeff Wilson, boy, my goodness, 61% of snaps, Mostert all the way down at 28%, so more than double the snaps of Mostert. Uh, they, their touches were 19 to 12, so Mostert he did get four receptions, which helped. Uh, but it just appears Wilson's the favored back. I don't understand it since he just got there. But, you know, McDaniel had a pre-existing relationship with him. And I think he said in the post-game conference, like, hey, look, Jeff Wilson's playing better. So he's going to get more touches. And I mean, that's blunt. I think Mostert's played great. But um, if you have to choose one, you got to choose Wilson. And another guy that I dropped in a couple leagues after he was, uh, you know, replaced or traded or whatever and that was a big mistake uh, a lot of a lot of situations like that this year where it looks like one thing's going to happen like it looked like the Colts were going to tank and then all of a sudden they're out here winning games it's just like I said such a hard league to predict uh, last running back note was James Connor played on 96 percent of snaps on Sunday Eno Benjamin at one percent so that's notable uh, very uh, intriguing there if you if you have Connor it means you got to get him in your lineups all right, let's move to wide receivers. Uh, Christian Watson, wow, 84% of snaps, heavily involved throughout the game, ended up receiving eight targets, which was a ridiculous 40% target share. He only caught four, but it was good enough for 107 yards and three touchdowns. Now, this is likely his biggest game of the season. I, I truly believe it. You know, he's not going to top this with the three touchdowns, but that doesn't mean he can't provide value the rest of the way. It's hard to find 
value sitting on your wire at this point of the season. In many deep leagues, he's been rostered all season, but if he is on your wire, grab him. Make him your top ad of the week, mainly because he he actually produced. And Rodgers, he likes to target guys who produce uh, in the game. <laughs> and if they produce, he'll keep coming back to them, uh, which I guess makes some sense. Uh, I'm not a huge Rodgers fan, but that makes some sense. So, you know, Watson obviously has tons of speed. He's big. Um, he, he isn't the best catcher of the football, but he caught, caught enough this time. So um, he, he needs to be added. Darius Slayton of the Giants would be my next pickup uh, at receiver. I mentioned him. This is the second week in a row uh, in case he's still available on your wire. He, he really has become the number one receiver for the Giants. I mean, you have Wendell Robinson, but he's a slot guy. Darius Slayton is their top outside player. Uh, it looks like, <laughs> um, I can't remember his name right now. Um, what is the guy? Kenny Galladay. There it is. It looks like Kenny Galladay is going to get cut. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine them continuing to play him. He he got booed uh, heartily by the Giants fans yesterday or on Sunday and, and just wasn't, he just dropped a couple passes. He's just completely irrelevant. He hasn't done anything for the Giants after they paid him just truckloads of money. And then, you know, Slayton was pretty much, I thought he was cut. He was pretty much kind of left for dead. And then all these injuries and he gets back in there and he really jives with Daniel Jones. So played on 80% of snaps, got four targets out of only 17 targets on the day, 17 throws on the day, 24% share, went three for 95 and a touchdown. Uh, the Giants obviously want to be a run first team, but there will be games they have to throw and Slayton will benefit. So definitely make sure he's on a roster. Nico Collins of the Texans was also probably dropped in many leagues after his injury, but he returned Sunday, had a nice game. He got 10 targets, which was a 27% target share. Only went 5 for 49, but had a touchdown, uh, played 78% of snaps. His upside is certainly limited since he's on the Texans, but if you're desperate for a receiver who will be involved, he will be, uh, and, and he's a nice option. Uh, I mentioned DeAndre Carter for the second week in a row. He's He played on 86% of snaps, caught all four of his targets for a team-leading 64 yards. Yeah, that did lead the team. Uh, it did have a score. Until Allen and Williams return, Carter has value, and he can be started. I did start him in a couple leagues this week. Um, they got to throw to somebody, you know. Uh, on the Titans, it was an interesting, uh, strange day in the passing game, as it has been most of the season. You had Nick Westbrook-Akine leading the team with eight targets, which was a 22% target share, and he, he balled out on those, went five for 119 and two touchdowns. Uh, he's just been outproducing Robert Woods pretty much the whole season. Robert Woods seems to be done. If you have him on your roster, you can drop him. He has he has not produced at all this season. I do not think it's due to the injury. I think he's fine. I just think he's not good anymore. He's too slow, something. Uh, Traylon Burks also returned, so I want to mention him too uh, from his stint on the IR. He played well. He caught three of six targets, uh, only 24 yards, but he's going to work into more and more. Uh, opportunities. He only played 56% of snaps in his return. So as that rises, his targets will rise. And this is a guy that can, you know, take a, a, a short pass to the house, really big, great speed, etc. So those two are both guys I'd consider if I'm super um, hurting at running or at receiver. I want to mention Julio Jones. Uh, he, he's still on many wires uh, because he's been hurt most of the season, but he's getting pretty involved for the Bucks. Played on 51% of snaps on Sunday and got five targets, which was actually a 17% target share. He caught three for 53 and a score. So getting 17% of targets in a pass-happy offense, normally a pass-happy offense, 
with Brady at quarterback is, is just worth noticing. I wanted to mention him. I would add him if he's on the wire. Zay Jones of the Jaguars. He's been one of these guys who's getting targets all season, but he's, he's getting like six catches for 30 yards kind of thing. Like he's a very low A dot. Uh, and he's still mainly working close to the line of scrimmage. But as, te- as Trevor Lawrence has improved, his numbers have has kind of inched up. He, he cut 8 of 10 targets on Sunday for 68 yards, so a little better. Um, and, you know, 10 targets is just worth noticing too. And that was a 25% target share. So if he's on your wire and you need a receiver, I would consider adding him. He's a, he's a less exciting option than the guys I mentioned before him uh, because he's probably not going to take any to the house, but he will provide some some uh, PPR upside. And another guy just like that is Kendall Hinton of the Broncos. Uh, he was pushed into action after Jerry Judy went out and he ended up playing 96% of snaps by the end of the day, caught four or five targets for 62 yards. So if Judy is going to be out um, like this week, I assume he will be. If he's out for an extended time, Hinton is a name that you know you should be aware of. You might want to add if you're in a deep league because he will play a lot of snaps. Uh, Cooper Cup, with him going down with an ankle injury, it looks like he did not break a bone, uh, probably just a high ankle sprain, which means, you know, it's still two, three, four weeks, he'll be gone. Uh, so I want to mention Ben Skoranek. You could also pick up um, Van Jefferson. Um, if Allen Robinson's on your wire, any of those guys, again, this, this offense looks putrid, as I mentioned in the intro. So I'm not rushing to pick up anybody on the Rams at all. But if you are desperate, Skoranek could be a nice, um, you know, he could provide value. He got seven targets Sunday. He only caught two for 14. But again, this was the backup quarterback. Uh, Matthew Stafford comes back. He could have some value for sure. Um, Wanted to mention David Bell of the Browns. Uh, He continues to work into a, you know, I guess around that 50 to 55% of snaps. He's been, he got there three, four weeks ago. He's continued at that level. Uh, but he continues to work his way into more opportunities. He got his highest number of targets on the season on Sunday with five, had his most catches with three, went three for uh, 24. Not a super exciting player, but I wanted to mention him, especially for dynasty leagues or, or you know, really deep leagues. Uh, you, you throw Deshaun Watson into the lineup and David Bell on his 50-some percent of snaps could be a lot more valuable than he is now. So he's a player I would consider picking up if I'm hurting or if I'm planning for, for next season because he is a talented player and um, is showing himself a little more each week. One last name I wanted to mention for like super deep leagues, or really he's not a pickup in my opinion, he's just a monitor guy. And I had to look him up because I didn't think he was a real player. His name is Tom Kennedy of the Lions. I don't think he's related to the Kennedys, but he could be, who knows. Played on 61% of the snaps for the Lions, who seemed to be losing another receiver to injury every week. He got two targets and caught one of them for 44 yards. I don't anticipate he's uh, a super speedy guy. I don't know how he got 44 yards. I didn't see the, the film, the the, uh, the game on, you know, the actual game. I just saw the stats. But, you know, just in very deep leagues, keep an eye on whether his opportunities increase. If this guy starts, you know, getting five, six, seven targets, uh, it could make him worth an add. Just a couple wide receiver notes. Chase Claypool only played on 31% of snaps on Sunday. Only got two targets, caught one for eight yards. So he should be avoided until we see him move clearly ahead of Pettis and St. Brown in the snap share. He was behind both of them again on Sunday. So if you're only getting 30-some percent of snaps in this Bears team, you are not worth even rostering. But I would hold him if I can, just in case that moves up into the 70-80% of snaps range. That might make him worthwhile. 
Uh, and also want to mention Rondale Moore played on 97% of snaps on Sunday and got 13 targets, which is a 35% target share. That was with the backup QB Colt McCoy in there. It doesn't matter. He was doing the same thing um, with Kyler Murray. He caught nine for 94 yards. So he needs to be in your lineups every single week. Uh, another, we're going to move to tight ends now. Another Cardinal I need to mention is Trey McBride. He would be my top tight end pickup of the week with the injury to Zach Ertz. Uh, he appeared to play on every snap after Ertz went out. Ertz may be out for a significant period of time. He hurt his knee. I don't think it's like a season ender, but he could be out for a month. So that would make Trey McBride very valuable, um, especially uh, if, if he were to start finally getting targets. He's been on routes and has not been targeted. Even this week, he was on 94% of snaps and only got one target. But he wasn't into the game plan. They, they hadn't planned on him being in there because Ertz was supposed to play the whole game. So I think when they can actually game plan with him in, in mind, uh, you know, continue working with him, he'll continue improving, and he could have a really nice role uh, for your stretch run. I want to mention Juwan Johnson again. This is maybe the third or fourth time I mentioned him on this podcast. He continues to see an increased role for the Saints. Uh, he led the team in targets on Sunday with seven, which was a 26% target share. Uh, caught five for 44 yards and a score on 66% of snaps. Adam Troutman is still playing. Uh, he's getting targets. He caught, um, he got three targets on Sunday. Uh, but Johnson really seems to have established himself as their top receiving tight end. So if he's available, you know, or he was dropped, I, it, it's very common to drop these guys during these bye weeks. You need a space. You just, you plug them in, then you drop them kind of thing. He's an intriguing ad for your stretch run. If you're hurting at tight end, I have a couple teams where I have like Ertz and Gerald Everett, who was also hurt. Uh, Johnson could be a really nice plug in there. Well, uh, next guy I want to mention is Lawrence Cager of the Giants. Uh, he led the way for the Giants tight end group. Played on 65% of snaps. Kind of came from nowhere. Maybe he'd been hurt, but it was the other guys who were working um, as their top tight ends before, like Tanner Hudson and those guys, Myrick. But Cager kind of came in, played by far the most snaps. He only got two targets, but this was a game the Giants only threw 17 passes. Uh, so two targets wasn't that bad. He caught both of them for nine yards and a score. And just looking at him, he looks the part. I mean, um, he's big and he looks really fast. Uh, for a tight end. He, he just looks the part. He could return some nice value in games where the Giants, you know, let's say they, they get down, they got to throw it 35 times. Uh, he gets five, six targets. He could really return nice value there. So especially deep leagues uh, where you're really just totally desperate. want to mention Noah Gray of the Chiefs. This is a guy that has been working in that, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% of the snaps kind of up and down all season. And, you know, he doesn't have the potential to be a top option at tight end at all unless Kelsey goes down with injury. Even then, it's questionable with all the options they have whether he would really take over anything close to Kelsey's role. But in such a high-powered offense, when you're getting 40-plus percent of snaps, he had 46% on Sunday, um, you're going to provide value some weeks, and it is really hard to find tight ends. So in very deep leagues or dynasty leagues where you think, you know, hey, maybe Kelsey only has a couple seasons left, I want to add this this gray guy and see what happens. I don't think that's a dumb move. Um, I'm not going to hold them over guys who can, you know, if, if it's not a super deep league, I'm not holding them regardless because I need that spot. But if I've got a, a really deep roster and I can hold this guy, I think he's got upside for the future. And for now, you know, he, you could plug him in and hope to get six to 10 points. And that's not dumb. Uh, he caught two for 20 and a touchdown on Sunday. And, you know, he can score um, 
in, in any given week, depending on what happens in the game. I want to mention Brock Wright of the Lions, too. Again, didn't do much on Sunday. Um, he played on 74% of snaps, though. Caught his only target for a two-yard score. Uh, no one in the Lions passing game did much except Amon Ross St. Brown, but at some point, um, Wright's going to produce some nice games if he's playing three-fourths of the snaps. So just a name I wanted to mention to you. And, and just a couple tight end notes for you. Uh, Cade Otten, uh, it looked like he might have been breaking out. Might be like another rookie tight end who was going to just uh, move into the starting lineup and produce the rest of the way. But then Cameron Brait came back from his neck injury, and it seemed like he really neutralized Otten's upside. Um, Otten did play on 61% of snaps, Brait on 45, but Brait ran more routes uh, than Otten, and that's bad news um, for his outlook. Uh, unless the coaching staff figures out, hey, look, Otten's a better player. We're going to play him as the clear starter, then his value is really capped. He did catch more passes than Brait, even though he ran fewer routes. I think he is a better player, but it just kind of depends on what Brady wants and what the coaches are willing to do. Uh, Cole Komet, last note for you, he might end up as a tight end one, like a top 12 guy by the end of the season. He's been playing almost every snap all season, but now he's finally being featured in the pass game, and obviously the Bears are playing better as an offense overall. Led the team with seven targets on Sunday, which was a 35% target share, and caught four for 74 yards and two scores. So this is a guy that I was targeting heavily in drafts in the preseason, similar to Justin Fields. And then both of them completely looked terrible for the first couple months of the season. Hey, this is another thing to, to keep in mind. I mean, you can you can even have an amazing draft. You can predict all the right things in your head that are going to happen, draft accordingly, and then it happens, but it doesn't happen at the right time. And you end up dropping them and not having them for your for your stretch run. I have one of my best FFPC teams I mentioned on Twitter that could, you know was top hunter for a while, and I drafted Justin Fields behind Kyler Murray at some point in the season. I can't remember when. I had to drop him for space, had injuries, had buys, and then he blows up. Um, you know what? Hey, it stinks. It's a big mistake. Could be a huge mistake if that team could have could have uh, done you know made some noise and won big. But it is what it is. You can't predict everything. You can't uh, You can't have the perfect season as far as who you hold, who you drop most of the time. So it is what it is. Just do your best to keep the right players. Don't drop players who um, you think have huge upside, even if they haven't really produced yet, because uh, their time may be coming. But if you have to, because of buys and all that, you have to. And it is what it is. So hopefully these, uh, these notes will help you kind of Keep in mind who might not be a good player to drop, who might be a good player to drop. But I wanted to mention again, if you need help, if you think to yourself, hey, I don't know which of these players you mentioned I should pick up over this other player. Should I drop this guy for that guy, etc.? Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Kevin Scott FF. I'd be glad to interact with you. Um, if I don't get back to you right away, just to, you know tweet at me again and I'll get to you. And um, I'd be glad to try to help. But um, there's also a lot of, obviously, a lot of guys on Twitter you can ask. Um, I'm, I'm just always glad to give my opinion. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you being a part of this. And again, if you want to support me, I'd really appreciate that as well. Hope you have a great uh, week. Hope, you, hope your week 11 goes great. And good luck the rest of the way. But we'll see you next week. Take care.